Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today as we provide useful information and insights to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband everywhere it needs to be. Uh, this is a pretty momentous show in my mind uh, for us today because we've been talking uh, about gig cities and uh, where we're getting a gigabit into different uh, counties and so forth. Um, yesterday, I got wind of a development in North Carolina where basically the entire state is going to become a gig state. And I think this uh, has great uh, potential to change the dynamic of the discussion about broadband, about gigabit, about the, you know, the future uh, of, of high-speed Internet access and how this is going to change uh, many aspects of how you know, people and businesses and organizations do their thing, do their business. Uh, I'm fortunate to have today the, one of the co-founders of RST, which is the company that announced uh, a statewide network. And I'm not going to steal his thunder. Dan Limerick is here with us today. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rick. Very, very happy to be with your listeners today. This is um, this is pretty phenomenal. I mean, I'm not even sure where to start, actually. So let's begin with yesterday you announced um, what has basically been, I guess, a best described as a stealth campaign, you know, the, 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 the blessing of the entrepreneur, you know, to be able to work quietly, to come up with something fantastic, and then spring it on the market and say, here, this is like a game changer, and then watch everything flow from there. Uh, you're announcing something spectacular. What is it exactly? What are we doing here in North Carolina? Uh, okay. Basically, um, I have my background in past is, is certainly not in, in broadband or fiber. Uh, I've been involved in that in the last four and a half years. Uh, got involved in it through my hometown in North Carolina. Um, traveling through there on business, was, had the opportunity to meet someone else who, who, who was born and raised in my hometown. Uh, and this gentleman uh, who had, just has a, a, not only has the experience, but a terrific passion in broadband technology, fiber technology from A to Z, uh, told me his idea that he wanted to do a uh, fiber optic network across our hometown city. Uh, we, I guess, as many of you know, have, have been devastated over in the Carolinas with uh, the loss of the textile industry, uh, moving overseas, and the job situation is, 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 has been in recent years very, very dismal, and although in recent, recent years it's picked up somewhat, and um, we felt that we wanted to try to do something to bring something to our, our area, our hometown area, to um, promote uh, jobs, especially in the high-tech sector. Uh, as we built out the fiber network uh, and, start, and got it started in, in early part of 2010, we, um, we decided, number one, that um, back east, I guess, as a lot of your listeners may know, we have a lot of weather issues that we have to deal with in that we have tornadoes and we have hurricanes on the coast and we have uh, ice storms in the winter. And so we decided 
from the get-go to to put as much of the network uh, underground as possible, and not only in, in a standard depth of 40 inches, which I think most of the telcos use as a standard depth in their burying cable. We went ahead and and and, and buried our cable at all 10-foot depths. Um, so we felt it was safe, uh, at least from the from the normal disaster that potentially could happen. There's always going to be a someone that gets on a backhoe and, and will end up digging it up. But we also uh, felt that, that that was by far the best way to build out this network. We got started in, in mid-2010, as I said, and um, uh, we, through not only building our network out, but through an, a number of IRU acquisitions with some dark fiber and making the various connections link, um, built a network surrounding or going from the state from the coast of North Carolina uh, through the lower Piedmont into the mountains of North Carolina all the way to the westernmost point, which is Murphy, North Carolina, then came up into the northeast and went all the way across the northern part of the state um, through the Winston-Salem Greensboro area, down through Raleigh, uh, over back to the coast where the, where, where the, the fiber ring was, was completed. Uh, we announced yesterday along that 3,100-mile route that um, we are activating it uh, in partnership with Cisco uh, to 100 gigabit connectivity. Um, we have made it all IPv6 compliant uh, using the IPv6 protocol for IP addresses. And we feel like we've got um, the network of the future and what I'm uh, really referring to is the birth of the Internet of Everything. Mm -hmm. Now, explain that term, because I've, I've seen that in your press materials, and I kind of have a good idea of what we're talking about, but let, let's hear it from you. Okay. Um, oh, wait, hold on one second. It, I think we have it, a caller. Well, good morning. Uh, this is Gigabit Nation. Do we have a caller on the line? Hello? Do we have a caller? I must have lost him. Hopefully, they'll call back. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tell, talk, tell us about this Internet of Things. Okay. The Internet. Well, that's right. It started out as the Internet of Things, but I think it's it's since then been coined uh, by the CEO of Cisco. Um, uh, the Internet of Everything. John Chambers uh, refers to that that in many of his speeches he gives, and basically what he's talking about is that. It is a known fact when the... Wait, here we um, go. Sorry. Good morning. This is Gabe Nation. Do we have a caller? Hello? Is there a caller from the... Yes, we do. Yes, hi. Good morning. Yeah, I just had a quick question. As you mentioned, the infrastructure about it being most of it 10 feet underground. Yes. And then you mentioned the dark fiber IRUs that you had to help facilitate the overall connection. I was wondering if yes. that basically states that some of that infrastructure is aerial, as you discussed going through the mountains and stuff. Uh, and there I'll, is I'll, a I'll, very I'll, minimal yeah. part of, of aerial. Uh, we've, we've got a, a number of miles uh, which are aerial. You're exactly right, in the mountains. But, uh, of course, as we uh, gain customers and the network continues to grow out, we will move that to an underground. But as of right now, we are arguing a very minimal amount of aerial fiber in the mountains. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for calling in. 
And, and, and of course, the reason for that, most of, most of the, the mountainous terrain, especially in the Carolinas, is, is what we call over here blue granite. And it's, um, I don't think it's a harder substance known to man, but going <laughs> underground is a real challenge uh, through those areas. But for network security and network reliability, we still feel that underground is the way to go. And um, where any of, any of the segments... Uh, which are very few on our on our network, which are aerial, we will want to move underground uh, as, as quickly as possible, and that is all slated and, and set up for construction uh, in the in the near future. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess one question that really comes to mind: How are you able to pull this off without pretty much a peep? You know, I mean, it's 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 amazing to me, uh, commendable, but definitely amazing. How are you able to do that? Well, um, we felt this. We felt that that if we exposed or or gave our gave the marketplace too much warning on what we were trying to do, that we were going to run into a lot of resistance from the the existing carriers and supply and and um, uh, vendors out there, and and knew that the, the political, not only the economic, but the political power they wield. Um, so we were very, very careful in, in uh, picking our routes and, and choosing the routes which we went to, uh, or decided to run the, the fiber down. We have a state right-of-way uh, franchise authority in North and South Carolina right now and um, just stuck to our plan and, and, and tried to ensure that we, we didn't leave any footprints as far as um, any trace that we had been there other than some straw, making sure that the grass around all of our in-ground box locations was, was properly uh, taken care of as we left the area. So I, I think the whole key to it all was to go through an area and basically leave it uh, uh, as we found it. That's, that's amazing. Now, what about the deals where you acquired um, already built-out infrastructure? Was this fiber in the ground that had been abandoned or, or how, how, how did that come into the, play, into the picture? No, this, this was fiber we found. In North Carolina, there, was a, there is a state network that was built um, a few years ago, and it was built to service the, the municipal, uh, the libraries, uh, all of the, the city uh, governmental infrastructure in the state and schools. Um, but it the restrictions on it was it, it, it could not, for a number of years, service the commercial landscape or commercial customer. And uh, there was a, a number of the incumbents did not participate and buy into that at all. Um, there was a lot of dark fiber available on the routes that they had run that they weren't using, and uh, we into that. That's exactly what we decided to do: is buy some of that dark fiber and, and link it around the state. Wow. That's, you know, that's, I just had this discussion yesterday, actually, I think with our guests, um, where he talked about, you know, there's abandoned fiber in a lot of places that people just have no clue exists. And the ability to, to, to find that stuff, uh, I mean, you got to be persistent, and I'm sure you got to have, you know, the, the senses of Indiana Jones to be able to get down there and find it. But the benefit is that it enables this kind of thing to take place, you know, for you guys to build a network like this. Um, 
Now explain the, well, let's first start with um, a business operations question, which is, uh, you know, I think in the mindset of most communities, we have two categories of folks coming into town with, with broadband. You have the traditional ISPs uh, like AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, so forth. And then you have companies like Google who are coming in to create public-private partnerships. Uh, some will say there are more favorable public-private partnerships that can be developed. But aside from the mechanics, it basically is like, you know, they come in, they do a deal with a city or a couple of cities, they build infrastructure, they make contributions to the local economy. Uh, in one company's case in Utah, they're, they're doing revenue sharing uh, arrangement with all of the cities that they're building a network infrastructure in. So there are these two sort of consider them two camps of, you know, folks bringing broadband to communities. Where, which of these two camps do you feel RST falls in? We're an ISP. Okay. Um, we we have not made any arrangements yet with any municipalities, other than the fact that uh, we have stayed to to installing fiber on the routes that that we have the authority to to work within, and um, we have worked. An example would be in South Charlotte in the Ballantyne area, which is a growth area of Charlotte. Passing through that area, um, uh, we have worked and and talked with with the local officials there especially the business uh, uh, community, to let them know we're coming through and what we're providing. And um, uh, we want to be a, a vital part and, and, and give, get, really give the customers in these areas a choice. And I think that's what it's all about, uh, that what's happened in the, on the American landscape regarding uh, broadband especially is that consumers are feeling so pinched and so, so left out that, that – you don't really have a choice of, of who who to use regarding your broadband connections. It's, you have to take uh, who's available and, and what connection they will supply to you uh, at, at whatever cost that they choose to supply it at. And we just feel that there's a, there's a better way to do it. We feel that um, uh, broadband is, is slowly being – well, in the past it's been looked at as, 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 as a bundled type of – situation regarding like like, the, like the, the cable companies offering video and offering broadband and VOIP and a lot of bundle services were sold fiber is, is 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 I think all of us that know or understand the fiber networks it's so much more than just those three services I think the emerging technologies that we see from fiber especially in the medical field I think they most of us refer to it as telemedicine uh, are going to be expanding uh, at, at back-breaking speed. Education, uh, I don't know how it is out, out west in California, but uh, back east, we're, you know, the textbook salesman is in real trouble. Books are going away, and, and the electronic pads are all coming in, and all of that's going to require connectivity, uh, not only at the schools, but at, at their homes. They're going to have to have that in order to have a level playing field with um, um, with everyone else in the country. And one other thing we've been especially aware of and cognizant about, and the reason we decided to go on the routes that we, we we've chosen initially, was we feel that that not only should broadband in, in ultra high speed be available in the cities, 
but it needs to be available in the rural uh, areas also. And we've come up with a real unique solution to that uh, with a 100 gigabit network. Uh, we've, we've gone to the new um, Wi-Fi standard uh, of 802.11ac, which uh, will enable us to, uh, in smaller communities and on the last mile, even in larger communities, reach out with a, a 1 gigabit symmetrical connection wirelessly. Um, so all a customer at that stage of the game, once we start employing our radios for the Wi-Fi services on the cell towers and other locations which we, we put the, the radio radios up and access points, um, they will be able to access uh, our our fi I mean our broadband at, at a gigabit symmetrical wirelessly. Mm-hmm. So we feel back. that's a very a, a critical innovation because I think. The, the, the major excuse that the major networks have given over over the last few years in, in not building out the United States with a an all-fiber or high-speed Internet network, a broadband network, is uh, the expense of it. it I, I think in the past that some of the, some of the cell companies and some of the telcos have experimented with it, and they, they, they've come back and said uh, that, Economically, it's just unfeasible to do so. And I think uh, with this wireless technology we're using, um, I think that that's a fallacy. I think you can do it, and, and um, I think people expect it. And uh, I think we're going to be demonstrating that very, very, very soon over in the Carolinas. Hmm. Um, one of the, the questions that has come up um, is one about... Um, what's the what's the business model? What's the well, not so much what the business model is, but how do you ensure the maximum benefit to uh, the community? Because the the reason that you have so many community networks starting, where they'll create a, a nonprofit, they'll create a co-op, they will um, go into a public-private partnership where they own the dark fiber and the, and the private sector company provides services. The reason that you have all of that activity is that communities feel the traditional ISP model ends up serving, you know, the, the, the private sector owners and their stockholders, if there are stockholders, more than, than, than anyone in the community. How, how does what you're doing uh, differ from, you know, the what I'll call the traditional... Um, well, and a, a great example is what I just said regarding wireless. Uh, if uh, the technology we're using over here, if, if we deploy, let's say, on a cell tower, um, our signal, our Wi-Fi signal will reach out 3,000 meters. That's 9,600 feet. That's mm -hmm. just under two miles. Um, so you can get a one gigabit connection what we call carrier class Wi-Fi, almost up to two miles. And every and basically all you need to, to get that is just an iPad or, or a, a device that's Wi-Fi capable and uh, a credit card. It's just like it's just like when you check into a hotel and, and, a, and a curtain on your computer drops down and says, join the network, and either the hotel gives you a code to get in or you pay $12 or whatever for the evening to get in. We're going to be doing the same thing, except it's going to be available to you anywhere in, the, in our network. 
Mm-hmm. Which I guess brings up the question of what's what's going to be the price points for these services? Is the wireless uh, so obviously one the gigabit, wireless one sorry, gigabit symmetrical wireless is going to be ninety nine dollars a month. Okay. Now we uh, in Kansas City at seventy dollars a month. Right. Will but you have um, slower services for less money? Pardon me? Will you have slower services for less money? Oh, yes. Everything is apportionable. If you okay. want 50 by 50, yes. If you want 100 by 100, we can do that also. But everything will be symmetrical. Okay. Uh, the reason we're building the network for one gigabit and and... It goes back to what I said earlier about the Internet of Everything. I think all of us can see, and and especially someone like John Chambers at Cisco, you can see that everything in our homes, in our cars, medical devices, in education, everything is is going to be connected to the net in in the future. Um, It's going to take a tremendous amount of bandwidth and a tremendous amount of... uh, um, uh, carriage as far as transport to make sure all that data is moving and that that connection is secure and reliable. And that's exactly what the Internet of Everything is all about. Um, uh, and you cannot do that with the existing networks we have in the United States today. Right. Proper technology will just not support that. And um, the, the decision comes down if you we're a multi-billion dollar company, do we make the investment to take down or, or, or replace the copper by removing it and putting in a fiber connection to the end user or not? And, and, and up to this point, I think the decision has been made not to do that uh, in lieu of, of the economics involved. Hmm. Okay. Now, um, let me try to parse this out a little bit here. Um, I think everybody understands consumer access. You know, they they pay an amount for the service they they subscribe to. When you have cases where, say, uh, organizations, local governments, and so forth, they're needing bandwidth for you know managing traffic signals, or they need uh, you know doctors or medical facilities want technology so they can uh, monitor patients from home and so forth. How do yes. you handle I don't know, the mechanics of both offering and pricing for that service. Uh, and where this question is coming from, I got an email from uh, a, a person who, who was asking, you know, the Internet represents, as you described, this, you know, this Internet of everything where, you know, you can connect everything. But yeah. how, from a practical business structure, do you address those kinds of needs? Because I think what the emailer is concerned about is that when, when we structure a charge per person or a charge per business, we somehow lose the ability to connect, uh, you know, the little things or, or make it easy for people to say, you know, create a smart home. H- how do you guys address that? Well, I, th- I think you're going to have to address that on a, on a as-needed basis. Um, I understand the question from a standpoint of, of if, if you have, uh, and I, we, I would refer to as special needs customers, 
uh, it's just going to have to be looked at on, on a case-by-case basis and, and treated accordingly. I think that you have to have a, a basic rate that you start off with and, and that, that is affordable for the service you're providing. Uh, everybody out there will not use a one gigabit symmetrical connection. We understand that. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the reason our services are, we're able to apportion our services, meaning that we can cut our services back to a 50 by 50 connection. But um, uh, I, 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 again, I go back and I answer the question as simply as I can by saying it's going to have to be looked at on, on an as-needed case-by-case uh, basis. So that then, if I were talking to a an audience of you know folks who run medical facilities in North Carolina or um, library, uh, I don't know, directors and so forth, the message would be that they somehow collectively or individually as organizations need to define. Uh, their needs and the needs of, in, of of connecting not only people but also physical assets, and then come to the company, come to RST, and and basically work it from there. That's correct. There'll be a okay. lot of negotiation, and that happens today in, in today's in business environment. Anyway, I mean, I've, I've I've been asked in the last couple of days on a couple of interviews, how much? Did, what's your commercial rates? And, and there's really no good answer to that because you have so many variations when you're talking about a commercial application regarding um, most of the time you can't service a commercial business wirelessly. So so in most cases, it's going to be a, have to be a hardwired situation, especially, mm-hmm. especially businesses with 15 or 20 employees plus. When you get into that situation, you're going to have a lot of variables. You're going to have uh, what does the company do? Does the company sell plastic forks, does the company uh, sell software. Uh, there's going to be a lot of different uh, data usage equations that come into play. Uh, the hookup, the equipment necessary to, to, to hook up all the users. There's just a, a whole book of, of, of I guess, e- uh, equations that, that will come into play in trying to figure out what the rate is going to be. But one thing that we do say now, we will provide better bandwidth than what the incumbent suppliers are supplying at at probably about a 20% savings over existing rates. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're not coming in with a superior service saying we're, we're less, we're, we're more, we're better, but we're we're more expensive. That's not going to be the case at all. We're, we're right. coming in saying we're better at, at less dollars than you're paying right now. And we're hoping that not to come in and capture all the business. That's never our intent. Our intent is to ensure that everyone else who's out there supplying a similar type service, uh, broadband, television, or whatever, that uh, that they understand there's competition out there, and the and and the, the ultimate winner will be the consumer. Mm-hmm. Been left now behind for years. Mm-hmm. Now, with the wireless technology, are we talking about uh, a gig uh, Wi-Fi or another brand of, of wireless? Pardon me? The, for the wireless service, for the wireless you yeah. know, last mile service, are, we, are you talking about um, a uh, Wi-Fi or another brand or version of 
wireless technology. Wi-Fi. Okay. Wi-Fi. The 802.11ac is is Wi-Fi, except Wi-Fi is just the brand name for that. Right. Okay. It's, the AC is the latest version of Wi-Fi, which just came out and and was available, uh, I think, in January of this past this year. Okay. Now, some of my listeners probably remember that I've had a couple of uh, wireless ISPs, uh, one from Kansas, one from Cleveland, that that are providing a gigabit wireless service. Mm-hmm. However, most people don't think about wireless in terms of the speed being that fast. So it would probably be good to explain to folks, you know, in, in layman terms, layperson terms, how you get a gig of wireless speed when most people think about Wi-Fi in terms of maybe five or ten megs at best. I'm I'm not sure, really not sure of the question, other than other than the fact that um, um, we will be uh, su- supplying our, our our feeding point, and I think a lot of times that a lot of the Wi-Fi services are just fed by by less connections on their from their ISP. I think if we bring a gigabit to a, to a house or to a, to a, a demarcation point wherever we're, we're broadcasting the Wi-Fi from, uh, that gig will be available through Wi-Fi through this tech, 802.11ac technology directly to the end user to use. Okay, so probably it would be correct to say that it is um, the latest Wi-Fi, say radios and physical infrastructure. Supported by a super fast backhaul. Backbone, exactly right. We're hooked directly into the internet. Okay, because we have in, our own uh, bandwidth connection. Okay, because in chat, our network does not touch any incumbent. Right. Okay, I got you. Now the uh, in in Chattanooga, sort of as another point of reference, Chattanooga, yes. Tennessee, they have a gigabit network, and what they have done in the city is they have run fiber lines to <clears throat> the Wi-Fi access points, and by virtue of doing that, they're able to provide a 16-meg uh, symmetrical Wi-Fi service. So what I'm gathering, is, you know, when I talk to you and when I talk to the, uh, the other uh, wireless providers who are offering a gig service wirelessly, you're basically able to do that through the combination of uh, super duper new uh, wireless hardware and and screaming gigabit backhaul to come together for you know for the user because the user just really is, they just open up a device an iMac a, a laptop or whatever yeah. and as long as they've got the Wi-Fi capability they tap into the network and it's super fast and they go about their business and they're happy. That's right. <laughs> okay. And then for the business side, how much of your business subscribers do you expect to need the wireless service versus the wired service, or is less your expectation? I'm sorry. It'll be less. It'll be less than five percent. Most most business customers, because it is their livelihood, and 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 they feel much more secure with a wired connection. Will, do want and request 99 95% of the time a wired connection. Okay. 
Um, by the way, uh, I know that the three of you, there are three of you, right, that are partners on this venture. Yes. Um, which one of you is the 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 super the the tech person? Because I, I do have a tech question, but I I wasn't sure if you were the uh, the engineer tech expert or no that... no no I'm I'm the CEO the the um, uh, Randy Revels is probably the person that would handle the, the super tech questions. He is our CTO and really the architect and and genius behind building the entire network and and putting everything together. And uh, he is not available right now. He is out on on the road. Well, you, right. I, I guess you can just imagine the request we've had since yesterday. Uh, so so he, got, is, uh, he is he uh, is out out North trying Carolina. to fill some of those requests. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the 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 moving forward of of this um, this operation. You're a small company. North Carolina is a huge well, it's a very very wide state. Uh, you yes. know, it makes it very difficult to work in. Are you going to ramp up um, a lot of people? Or are you going to partner to provide the, you know, the human resource, the, per- the people power necessary to be able to deliver, you know, the, the, the services and the customer service and all of that? How are you going to grow that part of your business? Well, we've, we've kind of set our, our internally our, our network up a little differently. Uh, most of our construction process, since construction is usually done once and and you move on to a new area and once once the fiber is in the ground at a particular location there's not a great deal or great need to go back to that point um, uh, unless you have a repair issue mm-hmm. um, we found that the, the the smartest way to do it was to by the use of subcontractors uh, and people who work exclusively for us and have done so for the last four years and um, use them for most of the construction, that side, and making sure that when, when you go through a, an area that is left as you found it, uh, the, the area we discussed before. Mm-hmm. On the other side, regarding billing and invoicing and, and the administrative functions of the business, everything is automated. Um, all, of our, all of our sign-ups, you will, because there's no boxes, the only thing that will be needed in a home is going to be a router. Um, and... There will be no box assigned to you or sent to you from from us. Um, everything's over the net. We are introducing within the next 30 days uh, uh, IPTV, which will also be done online, um, and it will be live real-time TV, uh, a la carte, and in, 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 in a lot of cases, if we can get the programmers to understand what we're doing. Um, and it's especially important when I go back to tell you that we we our, our protocols we're using across our network is IPv6, in that that's a huge issue with the the content providers and programmers, in that they have one issue that that they want to make sure, and they they've had a problem with in the past, and they just want to make sure that whoever's watching their content on whatever device that they get remunerated for it, that it's, it's a paying customer. And uh, IPv6 basically identifies each and every device that that content is going to and makes it virtually impossible to to have non-pays or people who don't pay or or take care of the programming from a, from a compensation standpoint. 
So that's a big. So you're relying heavily on the technology as the operations management aspect of the business, which is good. I mean, that's that's, that's, everything's going to be online. Uh, You you will. It'll be just just exactly like you're buying an app. Okay. On your phone, there will be no difference. It'll be RSTV, and you'll you'll. Buy that app, and, and and it'll be just like purchase, going to the uh, going to the store, whether it be Google, Android, or, or iPhone, um, going to the iTunes store, and you'll you'll purchase the app right there, and just like buying Netflix. Okay. Um, now, what about a, a service operation? Though, because I mean, at some point, people want to call in or need to call in. Uh, they are going to have questions about, you know, if if I can't get service and I need to, t- you know, to, to get a repair person. Um, right, right. We we have how, that, that, but it's just not going to be on a scale that the, the cable companies or the telcos have. Uh, an example would be uh, right now we have uh, a couple of service vans uh, in, in in the North Carolina area and the Western North Carolina, and plan to add three or four more across the state. Um, but that's about that's really about it as far as what we'll need from, from a service van standpoint. We've got customer service agents within our offices in North Carolina, um, uh, but we're trying to build and and make sure we don't make the mistakes that that a lot of the previous network builders have made and and make our network as as reliable and and bug resistant as we possibly can to eliminate as much repair and or questioning that that customers may have right and you know and i I fully understand that i mean that that is the the holy grail of um you know of operations when you can do that and and clearly uh when you're not having to worry about stockholders and 20 levels of management bureaucracy you can afford to keep the rates low and the service good and you can maintain that personal contact Correct. One of the concerns, because I, I had an interview with the the, the, um, the the Raleigh newspaper yesterday, and and the question that he posed had to do with, um, or one of the questions was was about the whole touch and feel part, because in in a lot of communities that have um, broadband networks, especially the communities that have built their own, they have two big marketing advantages that have enabled them to withstand you know, tremendous assault in the market by Comcast or Time Warner, whomever. One of those uh, benefits um, is that they, you know, they're, they're running at a, at a fairly cost because they don't have a lot of overhead, and the money yeah. that is made stays local. But they also yeah. have uh, the ability to run service uh, support and very well because the people that are doing the service also live in the community. Right there's a certain closeness, uh, both geographically. Right, someone can when they say someone will be at your home in an hour, they know they can get someone to their home in an hour because all the people are are local. But there's also like this emotional, you know, closeness. These folks are here. I know that when I call someone, I won't be going to a call center in in the outer hinterlands. As you guys grow, will you be able to maintain that level of absolutely you know, feely? Okay, that's, that's- that's what we feel is is very important. We're hoping to to deploy our network that and make sure that that is that is a, a minimal issue 
Whereas I think in the in the cable companies that that's a, that's been a very very sore point with a lot of customers, and that a lot of attention and repair has to be given to, to a lot of these networks. And 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 because and very frankly, they're getting old. Uh, uh, these these a lot of these cable uh, networks and systems have been out there for years and years, and um, is, maintenance is just just required. We feel that our all fiber network is going to require much much less maintenance and attention, and that's going to be the trick in, in making sure we give adequate service to our customers. Although we will always make sure that that as we see service needs, if if needed, as those needs rise we will of course uh, put the resources out there to make sure that all that our customers needs are met mhm um look, looking good looking good there's definitely some some plus and i'm assuming that a lot of the calls that are coming in people are asking these same kinds of questions right they want to know about your ability to deliver service and support that's the question you know the biggest the biggest issue we've had is is we are coming out with something brand new, and and in reality, um, it's a 5G network. I mean, they talk about 3G, 4G, but this is a 5G network, and it's going to be all automated, and uh, it's going to be a lot different than than dealing with telcos and the cable companies of of today. Uh, mostly automation, and uh, we're, we're we're broadcasting a an uncompressed TV picture. It, it, it's going to be almost 3D. I mean, I don't think the American public's ever seen an uncompressed te- television picture. Uh, the clarity on it is just unprecedented. And and um, uh, you know, one we go back to what we talked about earlier regarding 4K. We'll be able to stream 4K in real time uh, uh, and download 4K movies in seconds. Uh, versus now, that's that's an impossibility. That so, makes a lot so of I, sense. Yeah. I, I just feel that 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 what what we're in the midst of, and why I think think that our announcement is so important, um, and and people just don't realize the impact that we're going to have is this is next generation technology, and I think that's why that Cisco, with with the might and the size that they are, uh, got behind us and and is is such a strong ally because. I think Cisco sees the same thing we see. Uh, technology is changing. Uh, our lives, our people are very reluctant. We're very resistant to change. But um, I think in, in people are tired of buying 200 television channels when they watch 12. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just becoming uh, common sense. And, and I think people want to watch things when they want to watch things. You've got to just... We've tried to, to look at the younger generation and, and say they're the ones that are going to rule in the future, uh, not the people watching the 60-inch on, on, on the wall today. They're still going to be there, and they want picture quality, and they want uh, uh, reliable quality in, in their services. But on the other hand, uh, they want this, this, everything that broadband and, and uh, uh quality television, quality programming can bring them, and, and I just think the technology is, is going to change so quickly, especially with the advent of net, networks like we've built, that uh, it's going to have a huge impact on the way people see and look at things in the future. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what's the, what's the nature of the Cisco uh, partnership? Because Cisco's name has not really been prominent in broadband discussions. You know, there are other companies, other vendors, and so forth. What's their role with RST? Well, the role is other than other than vendor supplier. Uh, they they uh, have sold us their state of the art equipment that um, uh, is making this Internet of Everything possible. And uh, I think that, that they're very interested in ensuring that, that we get out and, and do the, the, the demonstration and testing on, with this equipment that will show them as the leader in this emerging and new technology that, that we're setting the forefront for. Mm-hmm. Now, That's why, I mean, there is no formal formal agreement between... RST and Cisco. It's just a working partnership that um, uh, we feel they're the the, the best uh, tech, technology hardware company uh, for, for the, the purposes we need that in, in the world, and uh, they're they're um, they've been most helpful in hel- helping us bring this this dream into reality. And uh, I couldn't I couldn't can't say enough about the professionalism and the the expertise that Cisco has brought to the table to this point. Okay. So so they're not a like an advisory partner or a strategy planning partner or any of that? No. Okay. Hmm. Not yet. Do you, <laughs> right, we, we, right, right. We would welcome any inquiries they have. Right, because I think Alcatel-Lucent was a big partner in – uh, in Chattanooga, so they, you know, their name has been around a, a bit in, in broadband oh, yeah. circles because of that relationship. And um, though I don't know the depth of it, I know that Alcatel Lucent plays a, you know, kind of a pseudo advisory support role in a number of other community projects. But it may very well just be a, you know, we the vendor have sold, you know, you the city this technology, and we're here to help, you know, help you maximize its use. Or right. you know, conceivably it could be a you know something more than that, and uh, you know we'll we'll see how it goes from there. One of the things that um, I noticed in the press release and also in the uh, on your website is attention to talking about very specialized vertical types of applications: telemedicine, smart grid. Uh, you know, you have a fairly comprehensive list. Um, yeah. Is it that the, comp- the, the, the company or the business subscriber that comes to you has to have laid out all of their plans in this area, or are you providing, like, I don't know, like a, an advisory kind of service in these particular vertical market areas? Well, the best answer I can give to that question is that I think using – the technology that we've deployed regarding the infrastructure that we've deployed uh, and the equipment we've deployed that uh, we're doing a lot of pioneering in in these areas. Uh, I don't think it's ever been done before. And uh, we're going to be doing a tremendous amount of beta testing over in North Carolina regarding devices, medical devices, uh, and uh, educational uh, opportunities and devices and, and I just don't. I just don't think that the bar has been set with it with a lot of these things, and and we're going to be working with customers to help set the bar. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I advise, um, you know, communities to do, and folks in general involved in broadband, 
is you know once you create a an application or once you create a customer that uses the technology in a certain way in a certain industry that um, you basically try to replicate that you know you use that as a way to then go to yeah. others in that area you know to keep the ball rolling you know yes. you're doing a lot of that yes absolutely I think once we prove um, to the general public um, and the consumer that our technology is superior and economical and reliable that uh, it will evolve into itself mm-hmm. now are, are you getting calls from say uh, folks such as um, specific application software you know one of the one of the uh, audience members in in the chat room asked about you know have you gotten any calls from SAS statistical software or Red Hat. Um, are the software... We have not as of yet. Okay. No, we have not yet. No. And, but, but we think, we think, and that was really one of the intentions of the press release, was to uh, put the word out and let, let those type of individuals or companies know that, that this type of connectivity is available and uh, is operating today. Mm-hmm. Now, do you envision doing something along the lines that, say, Chattanooga does and another a number of other communities do with their networks? Is they they in, you know go get money and and provide money for innovation development teams or uh, hacker spaces or in some way bring a bunch of creative minds together to create yeah, that's applications? Definitely, that's definitely in the plan. Absolutely. Hot diggity. All right. <laughs> that's, Absolutely. A, that's a good thing. Now, and, and the, reason, the reason that's so important to us uh, is that, again, I go back to the fact that, that the technology we're deploying, when you start when you start publicizing the fact that you're putting 100, 100 gigabits out there available, uh, it, it's going to open up a lot of thinking and, and a lot of new thinking. And, and uh, you, that's the way technology's evolved. And I think that this is this is just going to spur more development, more entrepreneurship in technology, uh, and 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 show. That we, very frankly, we we want to take 100 gigabits to a terabyte. Mm-hmm. Now, one in the near future. Okay, that that'll work. That'll work definitely. Um, one of the things you and I discussed before the show started was, you know, the seeming disconnect between. Um, you know, policymakers and people like yourself that are pushing for all kinds of innovation and, uh, and the incumbents, the existing incumbents, that can't seem to find their way to facilitate this. And you mentioned a visit by uh, President Obama to North Carolina recently. And, and, and so just go over a little bit of what, what we had talked about previously. Right. The president, the president came down, and, 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 of course, he is pushing very, very hard for uh, the infrastructure and and the 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 availability of broadband in all to to all of the citizens across North Carolina and the United States, and uh, wants to see a minimum of 100 gigabit symmetrical uh, connection, or excuse me, not 100 megabit connection, um, to available to every person, regardless of their their um, where they live, whether it be urban or rural or uh, what their income is. Uh, he wants to, to level the playing field. We believe he's exactly right about that. 
And uh, we think that our technology, especially with the deployment of this new wireless technology, will be able to do that. Mm-hmm. The, 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 for years, though, the, the, the you know, as we talked earlier, though, and and, and it, it, I don't want to get into a point of talking about any 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 other, but the incumbents, and, and that's all I really say about them. But the incumbents have had the resources. And the, and the knowledge for years to do what we've been do, we're doing in North Carolina today. And the question you ask is, why haven't they done it? Um, and I think it all comes down to economics and the fact that that it's not necessarily always what's best for the consumer. It's it's best for what's the corporation. And uh, we want to kind of change that that business model a little bit to say that we're employing this to uh, do what's best and what's right for the consumer and the corporation will take care of itself. <laughs> exactly. I think that that's, I think that the, 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 a great example of that is how Apple, Tim Cook at Apple just came under criticism for the green initiatives that, that, that he was uh, suggesting be done over at Apple. Well, I mean, what are corporations for? Uh, he should be a leader in, in, in green initiatives, and and that's another important issue about the the, the five the, the network we've deployed in the Carolinas is we use maybe a hundredth, one one hundredth of the of the electrical energy that the incumbents use in providing the same services. So it it. Right. it, it, it we're green, and, and, and our, our network is entirely green field, and, and there's no legacy at all involved with it. Right. Without a doubt. I mean, I agree uh, totally with your assessment of what, you know, a lot of the, you know, the problem is is that they can't see how to make a buck and they can't move out of their current structure. Let's – we got about five minutes left. I want to talk about – uh, one of the concerns that a couple of people have emailed me about and asked me about over the last uh, 12 hours, um, really rural areas, sparsely populated areas, those areas that have for the most part been ignored by the incumbents, does your use of wireless as the last mile uh, service delivery, is that going to finally bridge the divide from all of those you know, sparsely populated, isolated rural areas? We think so. And, and again, uh, until you go out and actually apply the application and, and, and study the data and, and see what your results are and who's getting connectivity and what, what that connectivity is, you won't know. But that's the plan. And a great example would be the, the, the Zark fiber we purchased in North Carolina goes around the state. It goes through many, many rural communities. We may be in a situation where we go in, we put we put our radio, our Wi-Fi radios up on a wild water tank or a local a couple of cell towers going through the area. Well, you know, covering covering a two mile radius uh, of each location, you 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 cover a vast area doing that. So we think it's going to solve a lot of the problem. We really do. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm well, not that's... sure the isolated person living a, a mile or two off the beaten path. That's going to solve their problem, but but we're looking at it, right? And and I think that you know, from my perspective and following the industry so so long, 
is that you know wireless has a great advantage for sparsely populated areas. I mean, in some respect, that's a large reason why you have wireless ISPs is, is yes. because they have gone where no one else has gone, you know, because of terrain and, 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 a, and a number Correct. of other related issues. And, and so I think there's a hope here anyway. And, I, and probably also as more people realize that there is a wireless component because, you know, when I got the call yesterday, it was actually specifically about wireless. But I think that, uh, you know, leading up to that, everyone assumed that if you were building a 100-gig uh, network, that what goes to the premise is an actual wired connection. And, you know, you guys are doing something very different, yet again, in, in that respect. And yes. I think what people are hoping as they hear about this is that, well, finally, someone's going to take care of, um, you know, rural, rural folks. Uh, well, obviously that, that that's exactly why we, North Carolina, decided it being our home state. It's, it's a perfect test bed because we have the coastal flat plains, which will enable us to te test it in sandy flat areas. We have the Piedmont, which is rolling hill terrain, and we also have the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is six and seven thousand foot mountains over on that side. So it's, it'll give us a good a good database of of how how this technology is going to work in all topographies. Mm -hmm. um, and then our last question, we got, you know, two minutes to go, so mindful of the time here. Uh, what about the urban areas? Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of underserved in urban areas that don't get talked about. Will you be able to tackle those as well? Yes. Okay. Yes, wirelessly. So I guess the bottom line of this whole interview is that communities in the state of North Carolina need to get in touch with you as quickly as possible to help you get the last few feet of this whole, you know, dream connected, right? Because you've, obviously you've built the fiber infrastructure statewide. You are able to build fairly quickly the wireless element. I think I, I read somewhere like 30, yes. 60 days for that. Um, the, the, the point now is that people got to connect. Now, how would they get routers? You mentioned that they, the homes would need a router. How do they, where do they get those from? Routers are going to be available through us. Um, we are going to be advertising that very, very soon. We have not come out with that publicly yet. Right now, just any 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 router uh, uh, available at Best Buy or any other electronic stores uh, would suffice, as long as it especially be, be cognizant of, of buying something with the 802.11ac uh, technology in it. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to wrap up. I mean, this is totally fascinating. I have some unanswered questions. I have to try to get back to them at, at, at a certain point. We've got questions like, you know, can you use drones and dirigibles to help, you know, deliver service? But bottom we're not going to be using drones and dirigibles. No, don't. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to keep in touch because, you know, I think this is very exciting news. I will be in Raleigh in, on the twenty. 4th of March, so, you know, for all my listeners that are in North uh, Carolina, that are in the Raleigh area, you know, I would love to talk to you folks and, you know, and just keep learning more about what it is that you guys are doing. I think it's great. It's awesome. Thank you very much, Dan, for, for taking time on short notice to be on the show. Hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you. And to our audience, thank you once again for tuning in. It's been a great show Awesome developments. Tell all your friends. Make sure they, you know, download the archive version of the show. We will talk again soon. Have a great day, folks.